everybody! Welcome to End of the Wormhole. I'm Larissa, and this is my number one. Hey everyone, it's Lauren. <laughs> Yay! I had, to, I had to try like my chill, my, my <laughs> chill intro. I haven't really done that yet, so that's my swing at it. I don't have any chill. <laughs> You're always on 11. I am always turned all the way up, constantly. Uh, so this is a this is an interesting time to be doing a podcast. I mean, it's an interesting time to just be alive. As most of you know, uh, there is right now the largest civil rights protest in the history of the world happening. Um, and it's it just didn't feel right to do our episode this week without acknowledging that and um, just talking about it for a little bit. Um, Lauren and I talked about, um, and we have had on our list for a while, doing an episode that sort of tackles some of these issues that are are being talked about a lot right now. We had, you know, a actually a couple of, of episode ideas on our, our Google Doc, but it didn't seem right to just throw something together at the last minute and not do it right. So... This week, we are still doing a reaction to episodes six through 10 of Picard, like we promised, but we are also doing our own work on our own, and we are planning uh, to do an episode in the future where we talk about how Star Trek handles some of some of the issues that we're going through right now and have been for a long time. So um, I wanted to personally say as a person of color who is non-black um i feel like i have a lot of work to do and i'm trying to do my best as far as where i'm putting my energy and where i'm putting my money um and i saw online today that trekmovie.com and the roddenberry podcast network and a lot of people in the star trek community have put together a hashtag trekkies together and they're encouraging star trek fans to donate to uh, organizations on the ground helping people right now, um, which I think is incredible. Star Trek has came up in the era of the civil rights movement in the 60s, and uh, diversity and inclusivity was always part of Gene Roddenberry's vision for the franchise. And I think all of us as fans know that, and that's one of the reasons why we love the franchise so much. So um, I would encourage everyone to check out the Trekkies together hashtag um, see what uh, they're suggesting as far as places to donate or places to volunteer. Um, I know trekmovie.com is donating some of their proceeds to the ACLU. Um, the NAACP is also another great organization that's been around for a long time. Um, the Southern Poverty Law Center, your local Black Lives Matter chapter, bail funds in your in your cities, bail funds in Minneapolis. Um, and then if you're in Nashville, uh, Gideon's Army is an incredible organization that has been working for racial justice in Nashville. They helped, they were helping communities in North Nashville rebuild after the tornado that happened here <laughs> in March. Um, I would also uh, encourage everyone to write to your representatives, write to your, write to your senator, write to your congressperson, um, write to your city councilor. And tell them how you feel about this. Um, it's their job to listen to us. So um, I would 
go online, find out who your city councilor is, find out who your um, senator is if you don't already know, and um, send them an email, call their office, do a little work and do a little research and and see how best you can help. These are crazy times right now, and we have a lot of opportunity to make really good change. Um, and I think that it would be uh, a shame if we didn't contribute to it. So um, that said, I also want to say there are lots of great episodes of Star Trek that touch on a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world right now, too. Um, TNG, I mean, The Outcast, Measure of a Man, The Enemy, The Drumhead. These are all great episodes for uh, learning a little bit about social justice. They touch on a lot of subjects, but none of them really touch on race that much. Um, The Drumhead does. The Drumhead does. (laughs) Uh, um, But... Above all of these, I would suggest if you're interested in watching some Trek, but you also want to do a little work, the episode Far Beyond the Stars, it's season six, episode 13 of Deep Space Nine. Um, this is a great episode to watch right now. It It's directed by Avery Brooks. His performance in it is just gut-wrenching, and uh, I think it's a really important episode, just period regardless of genre it's a really important piece of television um so yeah that's thanks for letting me talk for a little while lauren that's that's what i wanted to say about it i hope everyone out there is uh safe and you know doing doing their part well yeah. first of all don't thank me thank you because i think you said everything perfectly perfectly i don't think there's anything i have to add um except ditto um the only resource that I will suggest is if you happen to be a, a parent or um, an educator or just somebody who have young children in their lives, say, you know, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, um, embracerace.org has put together a great list of over 30 books for young readers and children to start healthy, constructive conversations about race, activism, and acceptance of diversity. So um, embracerace.org, you can go and check it out if you find yourself at home and you at the very least want to start some good conversations with your family members and um, are trying to find a way to do that. That's so great. Your kids are never too young to start talking about these things. So, yeah. Exactly. (sighs) You know, in these exhausting times when we're trying to make change and we're trying to do the right thing and we're trying to do all this work I think it is really important to recharge you know what I'm saying Um, we're right back at hashtag Star Trek self-care I think yeah it's completely sometimes you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can put on one for someone else so like if you're not healthy then you can't fight you know so I think it's it is important to like take some time and like rest your mind and watch some Star Trek so let's talk about some Star Trek. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> it's been it's been some time since we've talked about this show. It has been. Yeah. I mean, it has been. I actually went back, rewatched uh episode six and ten. I remembered quite a bit, but I just wanted to kind of 
again, refresh and see if there was anything I missed or I felt differently. Yeah, same here. Yeah, there wasn't really anything that I noticed differently. Although I do have like a comment on like the rewatch value. Yes. Of the show. But I remember um, earlier I texted you and just said you have homework that I wanted you to write like a quick 15, 30 second blip of your thoughts. Kind of like when you read an article and it's the headline and then underneath uh-huh. they have an additional two to three sentences that kind of summarize a little bit more of, of what's to come with the full article. I hope that was clear what I was asking. It kind of was. I don't know if I did it right. <laughs> no, that's okay. It should be entertaining. Um, because I kind of was curious, just like an article, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, just to get like a, a, a quick summary of your overall snippet. And then I was going to give the same. And then I thought it'd be interesting to take it from there. And if this doesn't work yeah. out, we'll screw it. We can just edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, you could go first. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, or I, I can go first. Do you want me to go first? <laughs> no, I can go first. I'll go first. I will I will make a slight prediction. Mm-hmm. I will say that you are going to be a little more positive than me this episode. Okay. That's, that's my prediction. It may not be like a huge gap, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So here is my kind of little um, sub-headline that I would give. Um, also, I will just say, disclaimer, I'm not a reviewer or a critic. I'm here to give you some thoughts and hopefully entertain you. So We're just fans. We're just fans. So, we just really love Star Trek. This is not a good way for me to like start my my little blip. But um by all means, like please don't take what I'm about to say the next hour or so too seriously. We are going okay. to be very responsible for our own opinions. <laughs> These are our opinions. Okay, so here here's as a like uh, journalistic as I get. Okay. Um, Star Trek Picard tells a story worthy of a cinematic telling. Unfortunately, it's rushed to tell it in 10 episodes results in deep character development being sacrificed. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I'm not saying there's no character development. I just said deep character development. Yes, yes. I feel like I have some additional like summary points, but I kind of want to hear your little blip first. Okay, mine's more like a tagline, I guess. <laughs> awesome, I love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Star Trek Picard. It's really fun if you already like Star Trek. <laughs> Once you get past all the Easter eggs, there's some story in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun a fun episode, I think. Yep. <laughs> to see, like, already, I think we have some good places to go with that. Um, I do want to say this. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I have, like, three little bullet points I wanted to say before we get in. Yeah. I, I think there are some faults, but I, I was entertained. I never found myself pausing an episode to see, like, oh, how much time do we have left? When so is this I, over? <laughs> yeah, so I will say that. Um, yeah. I have seen things recently that I think are better examples of the artistry of storytelling but maybe Mm -hmm. I have to admit like I wasn't quite as entertained I I felt like it was a little bit of a yeah I won't name what those things are but so yeah so I can at least give it that I felt like I was entertained and I was intrigued to see it through um I did feel like once I thought about the fact that in, in the history of Star Trek TV shows Season one is rough. Yes. I mean, in some cases, season two and season three are rough. Yes. So so for the fact 
that we have to say like, okay, this is a season one. Not that it means we're comparing it to a low bar. Yeah. But for season one, it's like, eh, is that, it's pretty good compared pretty to good. some of the other things we've seen. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was I, nothing that I'm not, I, I didn't, this season one didn't have, uh, oh, what was that season one, uh, episode of TNG that's just like so racist. <laughs> oh, is, is it code of honor? <laughs> Picard doesn't have a code of honor, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're not, I'm yeah, it's the bar is higher, I guess. <laughs> I'm just saying like, when you think about it as a show compared to, there's some amazing things that are out there right now yeah. on TV that you can watch. But then, I mean, again, not to say we're comparing it to all, when you do sit down and, and compare it to all the season ones, you're like, oh, okay, actually they're yeah. so far it's better. Yeah. I mean, even Discovery, I saw quite a few people just say it's a little uneven, it's a little scattered. Yeah. Um, again, I haven't watched all of Discovery, so I can't comment on that. Um, yeah, and then this is something we get into later, but it was interesting rewatching the second half because since I feel like it's so focused on that main story it's telling. Yeah. And we lose, I think, some of maybe the nuances of the characters. And the development for me the rewatch value wasn't quite there yeah like yeah. once you know what's going on i don't think you know we don't have in these moments of birthday parties and 10 forward or you know Riker making egg omelets that taste horrible for everyone yeah yeah and and i know they were probably not going for that don't get me wrong like i knew this was going to be a different tone and everything but i realized going back how much I like those little bumps. So I've mm -hmm. talked quite a bit. I kind of want to give the reins to you and let's see where this goes. Yeah. So it's, it's the, the moments that, that like you're looking for with character development in them are sometimes the moments that like, maybe it doesn't seem like a lot's going on. Like, and that's why I feel like specifically, and this is not just because my old friends are in this episode, but that's like specifically why I feel like Nepenthe is a is the best episode of this half. And is that the one where they see Riker and Troy? Yes. Okay. Because we actually get to know Soji a little more in that episode. There's There's interaction. There's like, you have to sit with your feelings they have to talk to each other um she's got a lot that she's just experienced and she's having to process it uh and it helps that like we already know troy and Riker, of course but like we don't know kestra p.s oh my god cried when when he said her name i was like they named her kestra <laughs> oh my okay. god uh, sorry. Wait, what's the Kestra link? <laughs> um, Kestra is the name of Troy's older sister oh, who died. Oh my god, Dark Page. Yes. Are you talking about Dark Page? Yes. I totally missed that. Oh my god. Sorry. No, it's I'm okay. A, it's okay. I'm a bad Star Trek fan. No, it's okay. I also like really love that episode specifically and have said, have stated that on the podcast already. Uh, but yeah. I, I was like, that's nice. But again, like I said before, like when I'm just like, 
sometimes I just feel like I'm wading through Easter eggs. Like I'm wading through fan service and I'm not as much getting like to the, you know, the meat of what they're trying to say. Um, and I thought I was going to have that more in this episode in Nepenthe, but I didn't, I felt like it had the least amount of that. Like it was more, Hmm. it was very much more about like, okay, uh, Soji's really fucked up and with good reason. And Picard has no idea how to handle this and putting them in the situation where he's now with two old, two of his oldest friends, they're married. They're now both parents there are the perfect people to give him advice on how to handle this and how to be the best, like basically parent to Soji, you know? So well, not only that, like going back to Kestra, I, you know, Kestra is so sort of innocent in her excitement about Soji. Yeah. You know, like Soji's not really being a jerk to her. She, she finds like, it seems like Kestra's the only character that she really opens up to. Yeah, because, because she's of, yeah, she's not being judged. There's no judgment. She's yeah, she's just like, whoa, do you do you, like use sweat? Do you have mucus? Like she's just that was so and, cute. Um, yeah, and and so she's just kind of it's like a safe way for her to come to terms with what's going on instead of just it all being about her butting heads with the adults. Yes, yes. Otherwise, I feel like all of these relationships are half-assed with the exception of like there are are a couple of relationships that I'm like okay like I totally get why Elnor like locks on to seven so hard like that I think is very sweet but like Gerardi and Rios oh my god I'm so glad you brought that up because their development (laughs) of their relationship just seems kind of weird and random yeah and and once again the trend of I don't understand how this show goes about writing relationships shows up. We we talk about Gerardi and and Rios a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Like I okay, if she just wanted to have sex, I feel like that would be one thing. You know, if she was just like, I need to get my mind off of this horrible thing I just did, and I just want to have sex so that I don't. That's that's a thing, right? But then they like are holding hands at the end. Yes. And like I'm like why why couldn't it would have been so much more evolved honestly if it was just like I need to fuck right now so I'm not thinking about how I just murdered my ex-lover and then that's it. Yeah. But like why it, do they have to be a couple now? Ugh. Okay, well I completely agree because it it would have been more interesting if they had hooked up. Yeah. And then and then throughout the episodes maybe even going into next season that kind of develops. Yeah, because it's like all, because, all of a sudden everyone forgives her for murdering someone, first of all. Like, you're going to forgive her. <laughs> you're going to forgive her for murdering someone and then enter into a romantic relationship with her immediately. <laughs> I have to rewind, you know, into the previous scene. But Narek just says, I love you at a really awkward time. It's a very yeah. awkward way to write intimacy. Yeah. And I felt the same way with this scene. What happens is Rios is playing soccer and yeah, Agnes comes up. And he's being really, really hot playing and soccer. Shirtless. I yeah. literally thought this was a dream scene. I thought this was, no, 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 hear me out. I thought this was going to be that sort of storytelling trope of this is a, I even said out loud to my my screen, I said, well, that's not real when they kissed because I thought what was going to happen is we were going to have that sort of cliche moment where 
her eyes open and the camera zoomed in and then she pops out of bed and she realizes, oh my God, I have the hots for Rios. Yeah. And that was, and that was going to be the beginning of sort of this awkwardness yeah. between them that would start. And that of, would have made more sense. Yeah. And they're, you're right. They're, it's very intimate when I think the only interaction we've really seen is when she goes up to the bridge one time to kind of bug him. Yeah. It that's it so again it, like it comes out of nowhere yeah it's i hated it it was stupid <laughs> i thought it was really stupid i don't get it Ugh. i mean i have a lot of problems with gerardi in general i uh i just don't well maybe i don't have any maybe we should talk her. about her maybe yeah. we should talk about her because we didn't talk about her at all last time we just didn't have the room in the episode. Yeah. Well, and also she hadn't done anything exciting until the end of episode five. True. So like she, she kills Maddox. She killed Maddox. And that was the only exciting thing she had done. And we, we didn't know that she'd been uh, contacted by Commodore. O. we didn't know that she'd, she'd been like delivered the, what did they call it? The admonition. She did. They didn't, we didn't know any of that stuff. It's hilarious to think that like this character was so uninteresting to me until she murdered someone. <laughs> I, I think she had some cute moments early yeah. on um, in her night. I, I thought that Elnor and her kind of were two sides of the same coin mm. where they were, they were the non-space characters. Yeah. And, and I thought they kind of shared the responsibility of being the character who was like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. But she... I don't understand. She gets the admonition from Commodore O, right? And she throws yeah. up. Which is like the prophecy in case. Anyone... Yeah. The prophecy about yeah. the AI coming and destroying everything, which apparently is just a, a super cut of a bunch of people trying to pull their eyes out. And then that that uh, stock footage of that fox, that dead fox being eaten by the maggots and then some fire and stuff. And then, like, this is so horrible that it convinces her that she has to kill Bruce Maddox and she has to, like, go on this mission. But then she changes her mind about it so fast. Once she, like, admits what she's done and then meets Soji, she's like, I never would have. So it's like, was the thing that you saw in the mind meld really that bad or what happened with it? Like, why all of a sudden yeah. are you now trying to, like, why are you trying to get the thing out of your bloodstream? Is it because you're in love with Rios all of a sudden? Like, why, what made her change her mind? How is, how now is, like, saving uh, La Serena more important than the scary thing that you found out about with the AI in your brain? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this is a really good example, actually. I, I appreciate the fact that, in theory, Picard was 10 episodes, that yeah. it wasn't just like, well, we have to do 20 plus episodes because that's how we do TV. That's kind of what the nice things about uh, yeah. programs that are now on streaming services and the writers can just say, well, it's as long as it needs to be. But at the same time, I feel like Picard could have used some breathing room. To, yes. Because not only character development, but I felt like sometimes uh, character development was shoehorned in. Or, and yeah, in some cases, there were little threads like this that got dropped. And I think that's one where it's just, you're right. It's like, all is forgiven and she seems fine. Like, she, she literally walks out and she's like, so I decided not to murder people anymore. Yeah, and it's like, holy shit. And everyone's what? like, aw. 
It's like, what? Oh, Agnes. <laughs> like, and, uh, what the fuck? No. Turn her in. She's a murderer. Or, or maybe. I mean, you so know, is, is there an seven. Episode... Though, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think if they had just given themselves a little bit of breathing room, they yeah. would have, in a good way that didn't bog down the show, kind of kind of mine a little deeper into some of these things. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get us distracted from the Agnes thing, but, you know, even when, when Rios, it turns out that, you know, Rios has this thing with his captain who, you know, his, his brains were blown out and stuff. Yeah. And it turns out it's because it's, Sutra's sister. Yes. Um, like that, that was an instance for me where it felt very kind of forced where it's like, yes, we need, we need something for Rios. Um, okay. He's involved with these sins. Yeah. And it's supposed to be some big reveal, but it feels like, well, we, we want to give him something for his character, but we got to tie it into the bigger story. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because they didn't know they were going to do season two. Yeah. But I but thought I that just, they signed up for three seasons. Okay, I just kind of felt like that's something where it's like that felt forced, and yeah, I felt like they could have worked on Rios's character in a different way instead of just saying he had this incident and it just happens to tie in with this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I feel that in general about most of the character, most of the new characters, we don't get time to get to know them, but it's because there's all of this stuff. Yeah. That's we got to move on. on. We got to go. We got to go. We've got so much to do. We got to get him here. We got to get him there. We got to get him doing this and doing that. Especially with Soji in particular, I really wish we had more because she's supposed to be the the whole reason for all of this. You know, like she's at the center of everything. I wish we had more there. But then, like going back to Gerardi, though, her redemption arc is not satisfying for me. I'm just like, like for the whole rest of the time, this whole season, I'm still like, but she also murdered Maddox though. You, do you guys forget she murdered Maddox? Like, okay. So, but you're going to trust her now though. Uh, yeah. And then also I, I kind of thought it was fun how her character was a little goofy and innocent, which we get like um, little hints of. Yeah. But then, then she's after the Maddox thing, she's kind of benched into this yeah territory with the the postmatics and but then like it's weird because the very final episode she gets kind of goofy again when she's on the ship like playing with the little pool and like her faces all multiply and yeah it's like goofy agnes is back but it just seems out of place like they were like okay we could bring her back in bring her back in right um but yeah it just seemed like a lot of characters were brought in and then kind of drop like elnor too i really liked his first episode yeah and i realize he did things and putting like quotes around it and i do agree like his kind of boyish you know it's not an attraction obviously but he has kind of like a very childlike way of talking to seven and even yeah. to some degree raffi at the end mm-hmm. um where he's just very honest he's like i, I love you know, him. he just like he tells seven like i miss you but at the same time, I also felt like he was another character that was so sidelined to some degree that I almost wish his episode was a bottle episode in season one. Yeah. I felt like his story was a good way to show how Picard, you know, once again, he has this habit of, of being in people's lives and then kind of disappearing on them mm-hmm. or 
they talk about it a lot in the later half of Picard. Riker calls him out on it. Some other people call him out on it about like, oh, it's it's always you. It's always what yeah, you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but I almost feel like it's like have Eleanor in season one, and then maybe bring him back for season two in a more yeah worthy. Yeah, because he was another one. Ugh. Here's the thing for me: there are too many fucking characters. There's just too many. To like, have we them don't along need the whole ride. So There's too many. many. If it was yeah. up to me, cut Narissa completely. Just get rid of her. Just put Narek in contact with Commodore O the whole time instead. Just get rid of that whole relationship. Commodore O could have been Narissa. You know? I see what you're saying. She's annoying and she's gross. And you don't like the fact that her name basically is your name with an N. I hate it. I, I love hate the fact it. <laughs> I love the fact that the first time we did this, we couldn't remember we couldn't her name. Remember her name, but it's almost my name. <laughs> and then I started watching a closed captioning because I just needed to. Yeah. And then I when I realized her name was Narissa, I just started laughing out loud. Oh god. Um, like, oh of course. Of course. Of course. I mean, there's just too it's too many there are too many elements. And there's not enough time and there's too much going on. So like, yeah, a lot of that stuff's going to fall by the wayside. A lot of character development is going to fall by the wayside because we don't have that. That's that's essential for developing a character is some time with them. The only the only ones that I've that, you know, are the ones that already had characters, you know, the the characters already existed. Yeah, they already had a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do like I do want to acknowledge that in the other Star Trek season ones, like not every character maybe had the meatiest of foundations. You know, it's not like yeah. every episode had, or I'm sorry, every season had like, this is the big, you know, Riker episode, or this is the big Picard episode. Like we, we obviously only got so much growth in season one and, and the way, you know, and again, it's kind of like with shows being the way they are, mm-hmm. kind of need to maybe turn up the volume a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, Star Trek's just always done that really well with yeah. the, the I, well, maybe not always. <laughs> I'm like backtracking a little bit. Well, but, um, I mean, we but, love Star Trek. Star Trek doesn't do everything great all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's okay. But you, you have a good point, though. I don't know if anyone's going to walk away and say, God damn, Narek's my new favorite character. Or No, like, I don't think anyone's going to say that. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean like Elnor Agnes like I don't know if anyone's gonna walk away I will say this though Mm. I thought the person who got the best character moments was Raffi yes yes I'm really actually the most happy with her development she like she went in a direction I wasn't expecting I really loved that um even though I was like that whole the whole cake scene with I was just like Oh, stop giving her cake. She doesn't deserve it, Raffi. Don't give her that chocolate milk. Is it cake? Oh my god. <laughs> but that like she started to I mean, the the moments that uh that we got with her, she started to like like her redemption arc worked for me, you know? Like she she started to um tap into her motherly instincts. And she started to, like, show up for her friends. I mean, she had to go through a bender first. (laughs) She was very sad. But, like, after that, she, like, she sees 
things falling apart around her and she tries to help. Like she's the one that's, that's trying to be there for Rios, like getting all the adorable emergency holograms together to try to figure out what the fuck is going on with him because she's, she's being a good friend and her like moment when she's drunk and she like calls that person at Starfleet to get the credentials. Like I was so into that. She was so great in that scene too. (laughs) It was wonderful. It was interesting because I don't even know if I will need to call it a redemption arc for me. It was just her getting some layers to her character. Like if you ask me what Rafi's about, even even though this was episode five, I think, where, you know, she has that conversation with her son, and that's the whole reason why she's on the ship. And she's like, you can just leave me here. And her goal is just to see her son. There's really no reason besides, sure, they need to say why she's going there and is supposed to get off the ship. But, you know, that starts adding layers. That really mm-hmm. is kind of uh, what I'm talking about, like a nice character moment for her. But we understand that you, you mentioned, you know, Rafi's kind of broken. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's everyone broken. is. <laughs> she's broken. The show is. But she's resourceful. Yes. Um, and she can be manipulative, but she also does have, like you said, kind of almost like a motherly concern where she goes check on Rios. I love the, the scene actually of Agnes because where she does, she's like, I'll get, let Auntie Raffi like connect you with ever, whatever you need because they're about to have a really rough ride on the ship. And you can tell that what Rafi is talking about is like drugs, alcohol, like whatever you need to calm your ass down. Yeah. And Agnes just goes, is it Kate? <laughs> Rafi says, yes. Um, and then again, like the scene where she does, she's, she's definitely compromised um, being intoxicated, but she's still managing to get them on the board cube by sweet talking. Yeah. You know, the Starfleet person. So, but, but then at the very end, you can tell she's given everything she has and she's got to get back to bed. She had little moments that for me made her felt feel well-rounded and kind of started to weave these individual threads of her in an interesting way. Yes. Same. I, I agree a hundred percent. Like, it seems like she, even though she's fucked up, she's got addictions, she's, she's got a lot of emotional baggage, but she has a strong moral compass and she always has. She was the one that was trying to, that was like, there's a fucking conspiracy. Like she, she is, she's the one that like put her relationships aside because she knew something was going on and she wanted to fix it. She also knows how to take care of business. She knows how to get shit done. She's like, Gerardi's going to be a problem. I'm going to satiate her right now and I'm going to do a great job at it. And I'm going to make sure we can get our shit done while this person is going nuts. Like she's, yeah. and she's like, okay, so the uh, emergency holograms know some things. I'm just going to collect them all in the holodeck and we're going to have a conversation. You're, I think you're right. She definitely had the best journey as a character. Yeah. And, and we, um, you know, they didn't wrap up everything nicely, which is fine because you, you they don't did have, have her to. holding hands with seven at the end. Oh, yes. Everyone's oh, yes. speculating about what that means. I mean, they're, Otherwise, they're holding hands. Yeah, but I, I guess, um, like Rafi and um, not Rafi. Who plays Rafi? Michelle Hurd. Yes, Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan like did kind of confirm in press outlets that they're supposed to be in a relationship, and we'll see more of that. Aww. But once, 
So once again, I know it was probably one of those things where they're like, boom, what do you think of that? But it kind of brought me back again to the, the mentality I had with the other relationship where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like everyone's they, just they in a relationship. Have, like, no interaction with each other. Like they've they haven't hung out. Like they haven't like what? Like I was I was thinking like did they just all take a vacation on uh, Soji's world for a while? Like <laughs> the very last scene seems like it's way it's it's not like it's the next day after you know Picard comes back. It seems like they've had some time at a resort and they've been chilling and now they're getting back on the road. You know what I'm saying? Like they oh, yeah. had, well, it seems like there's some time missing there. Well, once again, it's so generic and, and Rios and Agnes is just this mentality of like, what, when the fuck, did, when, when did this happen? Like, what did I miss? What um, happened? And, and why? I think now them, them, it was, it was obviously so out of the blue is meant to be intentional. Yes. Um, that was definitely a like, we'll see you in season two. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were trying to fuck with people a little, a little bit with that. So, yeah. So we, I think we can, we can uh, sort of agree that it's a lot of it feels rushed and the development of these characters and relationships doesn't quite feel like it's where we would yeah. like it to be. But also, you know, it's the first season and it's like the first season of, of a lot of my favorite shows is bad. You know, the first season of Parks and Recreation isn't very good. Like it's, yeah, sure. I, I do want to give one note though about um, Merrick. There's a lot that I feel like is not satisfying. Um, and by the way, at the end we have to talk about like what the fuck happened to Merrick, um, right? But but no, when it comes to just relationships, yeah, um, there there is like again. At the very end, they start to get into some moments where I'm like, you have something there of character development where Narek and Larissa, Larissa, <laughs> no, sorry, Narek and Narissa um, see each her. other again after the board cube crashes. And, you know, they, they see each other. And I even yelled at the screen. I was like, hug. <laughs> and, they, and they did. They have like this moment of he hesitation and then they just hug each other. Like that for me was. I was like, kiss kiss <laughs> <laughs> no but it was just it was just like finally it was the most genuine moment i'd seen from them together yeah especially as brother and sister where it's this very like hesitant acknowledgement that at the end of the day they're still family and they do care about each other even though they're constantly just like wanting to kill or sleep with each other maybe <laughs> both um i had so a, i that. had a comment about Narek too which is that <laughs> Uh, the other night, Dan and I watched, have you seen the movie Attack the Block? No. It is a fantastic movie. Um, is he in it? Uh, so I'm watching it and I'm like, this dude looks so familiar. Turns out it's Harry Treadway's twin brother. He has a twin oh. brother named Luke, but I always want to call him Larry because it would be Harry and Larry. But he plays like a stoner kid, like a white stoner kid privileged kid but he's funny and like weird and and I was like why does this guy look familiar and why do I like like him and I feel like I'm I'm not supposed to like him and then I was like oh at first I thought it's him and then I looked it up and I was like twin brother in what? acting too yeah weird uh, uh, they, they, Narissa Narek and Larry <laughs> 
third Romulan. Uh, the third, the, the no, the, Narek's not the black sheep. Larry's the black sheep. <laughs> well, the, it's funny you uh, mentioned brothers because the one of the other scenes I found at the end with the two-parter kind of interesting was um, when the fire scene where you actually have Narek and Elnor together. Mm. And Elnor is very hostile to Narek, but you kind of suddenly realize that these are two Romulan, you know, young men. Yeah. But you're like, oh, God, they're so different. But they're both Romulans that oh, have so had, a, had a, a completely different upbringing. And so they're kind of um, ping-ponging back and forth this prophecy and myth of the Romulans version of sort of the end of the world with the Destroyer and stuff like that. And it was such an interesting thing. It made me think if they did have more episodes, I could totally see an episode where Narek and Elnor have to do something together. I don't know, mm-hmm. like wander through the desert, one of those episodes. Yeah. But just the contrast of their personal philosophies and upbringing, but still being two Romulans, like those are kind of the little things I'm interested to see if they have yes, yes. given us a little more time. I mean, especially because they're finally showing us diversity within species in Star Trek now. So, so like exploring that, ex- exploring like the cultural internal bu- diversity of the Romulan people is super cool to think about. I mean, in general, uh, most alien species are monocultures in all of science fiction. So it feels kind of newish for science fiction to have multiple cultures within an alien culture in this context, just like. I mean, think about like almost like any sci-fi with aliens in it and the aliens are like, like Mars attacks. They all look exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all the same. All the aliens look the same and they dress the same and they have the same hair. That's just like a thing. Yeah, done. In We're general. done. We're done. We designed one alien, but then there are going to be millions of them. So this is exciting for, you know, a fan to like sort of dive in because there's so much, uh, information you know like the franchise is huge like the it's this is a this is a whole universe that's been built over the course of like 60 how many years 60 years 60 years right about almost 60 years i don't know i don't know how long things are i don't know what time is anymore (laughs) Um, time has no meaning uh, i want to talk there are a couple things specifically that i want to talk about with you and uh one of them is when Picard goes back to the cube for the first time, like he's never been back to a cube before. Oh, oh yes, yes, we have. I was actually going that direction. Yeah, too, we've so ne- lay we it on me. We haven't talked about that. I um that whole scene, I I loved it, and that actually his whole um interaction with Hugh, all of that, I thought was fantastic. Of course, like here, here I am talking about that. We already know these characters, right? Like as fans, we already know them. We don't have to worry about them being developed, whatever. We have they have a history. But him like having a panic attack, going back to a cube, totally makes sense. And it it like just like broke my heart for him. I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, you have to go back there. It's so terrible. But also the fact that, like, then he sees Hugh, and Hugh is so wonderful, and he's just like, however I can help you, I will do whatever you need me to do. And then his introduction to, like, what Hugh has done with his life and how he's basically become an activist. Like, he's basically become an activist for XB rights. 
Like, that's what he's doing with his life. He's trying to rescue his people. And, like, it's just beautiful. Like, the whole, like, when he's walking him around, like, when they're, they're like, um, using the dermal regenerators on, on these XBs who have just been reclaimed, they call it. Um, and, like, watching them, like, look at themselves in the mirror and, like, start to see their humanity come back and stuff. And, and then... Picard having that moment where he realizes like the Borg are victims and that's what they really are and like it's he's not saying he's saying it out loud because he's realizing that for himself that like he's a a victim yeah yeah but he was looking at the Borg in a very specific way uh, and he wasn't seeing himself in them until that moment until he goes back to see Hugh and then he's like they're all me all of us had our lives taken away from us and that like that is very exciting to like take a new take a step back and 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 like look at the Borg in a totally different way because forever they've always just been just scary zombie cyborgs I mean until Voyager until seven really they didn't really have I'm thinking about like remember Unimatrix Zero? Oh yeah, no, totally. Like when they're all like in that uh sort of when they when they're regenerating they're in Unimatrix in... Zero, yeah. Oh yeah, when they're you know you remember Unimatrix Zero when they're in uh Unimatrix Zero? <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, but, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but like that is so that's that whole scene was so wonderful and I loved how Hugh was able to just by being who he is and doing what he was doing, uh, changed Picard's view of the Borg. Ugh, Hugh. And then why do you have to die? Why do you yes. be here forever? I was so, so sad. I, I wanted to go back to the cube too because I thought like we need to talk about Hugh, which I have to remind everyone that if you listen to the first half of the Picard review, I stopped at episode five, even though there were more episodes out, Larissa went ahead. So I, I love the fact that I am talking to you in that episode and I'm like, Jonathan Del Arco's doing great. I can't wait to see more of you. And then is it And I already knew he the, had died. <laughs> is it literally the next episode he dies? And I just wanted to be like, son of a bitch. Like Larissa <laughs> knew. I was I did a really good job. You at, did amazing. at not saying anything. I didn't I didn't spoil anything for you. You have a good poker face. You need to be with the TNG crew playing poker. <laughs> I, yeah. He I has know. another great scene. Um, Jonathan Del Arco plays that character wonderfully. And it's so nice to see a character who is is not pissed at Picard. Like you said, yeah. he's just like, he's like, hey, long time no see. I'd love to help you. Yes. Um, and I also love, I just want to mention, um, I love it when Picard gets on the board cube and the cube kind of like starts to sort of like pulse and undulate. Yeah. Little, um, there was, yeah. there was just like There's some, some nice, design elements that are cool. Like, yeah, just like some nice touches. Too. Updated Borg stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, P.S. Yeah. Before I forget that one moment where he's walking with Hugh and then there's just this Borg dude that's just like, Lacutus? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, dude, it's what's like, up? It's, it's like, like Josh, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> How've you, you been, man? Like that That's totally like how it came off. Just like seeing like a friend from high school. <laughs> like, 
like walking down the street. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I did, I I did want to ask hilarious. you. I did want to ask you this though. Um, does Hugh need to die? I didn't think so. I don't think I so either. I didn't think he did. But also, like, I I know that I can't really trust myself sometimes when it comes to critiquing things that I love because I personally didn't want him to die. Am I saying that because I wish there was more Hugh? Maybe a little bit. But also, it didn't, like, he could have, like, but I don't, I don't know. I felt like he could have been okay. First of all, I thought I felt like he could could have just been severely injured, yeah, or or in a coma, and you could still have seven be totally pissed and kill Narissa. Yeah. So if there's anyone thinking like, well, he has to die because then Gary Ryan will, you know, do her thing. It's like, well, not really. You just have to have her get pissed enough. Yeah. You know, and and here's another question: In Voyager, they establish. With one episode that Seven can just put her nanoprobes in someone or, or board technology and bring Was it back. Was just after, thinking the same After thing. 19 hours. There's an episode where Neelix has, dies in a shuttle accident with like some, you know, electric sci-fi force that yeah. kind of goes through the shuttle and shocks him. He's technically dead for 19 hours and Seven just walks up and is like, oh, check this out. Boom. <laughs> and uses, like, I think she literally just puts in her little probes. Yeah. And then he comes back. And it's been 19 hours. So once again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, once we do that, can't we just bring Hugh back? I mean, you're literally in a board cube. Right. Surrounded. Right. And, and Seven gets there. Like, couldn't like, she put him in a regeneration stasis chamber? That's the problem, right? With establishing these yeah. things. And you're just like, well, couldn't they just, you know, do that again? Yeah, and also, but also though, Hugh is ex Borg, so doesn't he have nanoprobes in his blood already? I have no idea. Like this I don't is. Know if they were... <sighs> it just felt like we one just... of those things where it's like, I think we have time. I I think he feel just like we got could like have... something in the throat, and I feel like someone out there is explaining to us, yelling at their device, saying, "Well, technically, it's because Neelix A, B, and C. That's why Seven was able to bring him back." I don't know. But, right, 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 right. I just desperately did not want him to die. It was very sad. It's also a shame considering they've announced that uh, LeVar Burton is coming back for season two. No, and you like kind he of didn't even get to see Jordy again. But I don't know. Maybe he's gonna like. Maybe he's coming back because he's gonna get Hugh back. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, you bastards, you killed my friend. Oh, God. That was like the sweet, the sweetest part of Iborg was like, he was like, no, Jordy doesn't want to be assimilated. I oh. wish they had just put him out of commission, you know, put him in a coma, yeah. injure him. And then if you need to bring like, him back leave it back to season two, great. Yeah. For me, yeah. he was just such a, 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 a highlight of the show. It's a shame they didn't keep yeah. him around. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about Seven of Nine as Queen Seven? I thought that was fun. I actually thought when I got a hint of that, it was kind of spoiled for me that she was going to do that because when I got to CBS All Access, they had like a mini clip of it and it just says All Hail the Queen. I was like, thanks. Thanks, CBS All Access. Oh my God. Um, fuck you guys. That's so, so disappointing. I'm so sorry because I had a lovely moment 
not knowing that was going to happen. I thought what was going to happen was that she was going to do that. And then we were going to have like a episode, episode and a half. Uh, yeah. Like, oh God, is she going to come out? Is she going to let go of the power? But it's actually, it actually wasn't as um, big of a deal as, the, as I thought they were going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. It was more that there was just that one moment of her getting control so that they could get the cube basically but i was like oh shit that was pretty awesome it was do you feel like it's kind of you were earlier saying you felt like some things were put in there just to make the fans kind of laugh and go yay like do you um do you i don't feel like that pandering? one was i felt like okay. in order to in order for like because they were so outnumbered you know sure so like it seemed like the best way to get out of that situation because she's ex-Borg, so she knows her way around a cube. And because there's only two of them now and then the rest of the Jadvash everywhere. So, like, how else were they going to get out of there? Um, yeah. And I, I also thought it was... It then led to another cool moment, which was the the artifact just coming out of nowhere at that planet, which I also really enjoyed. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like a board cube crashing in like through the atmosphere of a planet. That was really fun to see. I enjoyed that. I thought that was, cool. I will, I will say though, it is interesting that they did bring up the queen because I feel like I have read a few articles and things of people involved with Star Trek saying they kind of wish they'd never introduce the idea of a queen yeah in, I, in, I feel that uh, way too so you know it was because it kind of in a way compromises like what the Borg were all about yeah I agree um, with that yeah it, it's one of those things where you think about it and you're like oh life bees and there's a queen awesome let's have a queen Borg but then when you sit with it for a while you realize oh maybe there were actually more fun and scary possibilities with so the fact that they were just like yeah you don't know about this room it's the queen's room like oh that's convenient yeah yeah but but i mean the way they used it didn't bother me it was just more of the idea of that's interesting that they decided to to bring that back i realized they've done that in voyager and stuff yeah yeah um i just thought from a from a fan perspective like as someone who wants to see some cool shit <laughs> like not even caring like how it relates to the story really at all <laughs> i just like i was just like that's some cool shit <laughs> you're just well you're like i don't care it's just yeah it's just cool cool shit, shit moment i will suspend yeah all my objections yeah. and disbelief i will say that like i wished that they had given us like a moment before nerissa opens the airlock where we really saw some like unreclaimed borg start coming out of their Tearing chambers apart. and just ripping some shit apart like i was hoping for that and we did not yeah. get that yeah just like a little bit of budgetary action. thing <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so but like you're even saying like give us a, like two minutes give us them some, starting yeah give me some borg action this whole show is about the borg and ai like come on uh let's see uh how about another Brent Spiner? <laughs> oh, God. I feel like once again, it's like, I'm another family member. And isn't it a coinky dink that I look exactly like 
Yeah, I mean, he's my there's father one or... in every. There's one on Enterprise too. I know. I I, I was going to ask you about that because you just finished Enterprise, and yeah, isn't he like the grandfather? Like he's or great with grandfather the... or something? Yes, yes yeah. Great, and great. he's bad. He's like really bad. Yeah. Yes, but it, it's sort of like we can only do this so many times, guys, before we believe you all look so much alike. Yeah. Um, I mean, I it, that was that's one of those that I I was I was gonna say fits into my I'm wading through fucking Easter eggs all the time, and just why like he why, like I love Brent Spiner. We all love you, Brent Spiner. Like we didn't need that character. <laughs> it seemed very. I mean, I just know a lot of people were like, okay, like Soong had a son. We never and- heard about him. Yeah, I mean, you even have, I I don't know, I guess I shouldn't assume that it's, you know, part, I mean, part Data's mother, quote unquote. Juliana. We, Juliana, yeah, yeah is, is at least the real Juliana, I guess we shouldn't yeah. assume that's the mother, but it's like, okay, so now we're doing this again, and once again, he's kind of also a, a major scientist who conveniently just happens to be in the same area of expertise and is just as good as it. It would almost be interesting if it was, it was like, yeah, fuck my dad. Like, he never accepted me. I'm a sculptor. <laughs> right? Right? Like, why does everyone in this family have an obsession with artificial intelligence? I would have accepted it if it was like they had found some recordings while they were there. And it happens to be recordings of that character. Or I don't know. Like, just like or, a little... Yeah, or, yeah, like a hollow recording of, of Noonie and Sung. Like, if there was... Yeah. Because, like, now was, Brent Spiner is the age that they made him right? up to look when he was playing Noonie and Sung, so... Yeah, like in Brothers and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, there yeah, are people I, also that are like, it's lore. <laughs> oh, I know. I read... I did read some of those articles, and I know everyone was hoping it was lore. It's like, sorry, guys. No, it's not. But, whatever. I mean, I just... Brent Spiner coming back as Data was all I needed. Like, I didn't need another soon yeah i agree at that moment i was just like i'm so exhausted of all these easter eggs i don't need it all the time i don't i don't need an easter egg in every episode you know not an easter egg but i don't need a callback in every episode yeah Um, i was gonna say he's bigger than an easter egg yeah freaking easter egg hunt yeah exactly i i also wanted to ask what you thought of sutra the gold-eyed evil um, soji mean evil soji yeah (laughs) i remember her name because i just think of karma sutra oh Oh, yeah yeah Yeah, sutra yeah but it's really interesting too because it seems like they have this very idyllic synthville land and soon is like my children and stuff and i'm like these sutras kind of screwed up like i'm a little confused about yeah how exactly these synths are constructed or like what's nature versus nurture with him because she definitely seems very uh conniving and self-serving yeah she's so she's supposed to be like lore but not almost i I guess i want to know is because lore literally had a different he he is a earlier his matrix is different yeah yes and he's he's like a uh, well, and for instance, actually, uh, one of the things that kind of is weird with that comparison is you see the the other one who I can't remember her name, but she's the one who greets them. She has the long hair. She's the one that gets her eye 
Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very almost innocent, naive in a data way. Yeah. And to me, she comes off as like a earlier model than the Soji Dodge looking one. Yeah, I think right? this, it's the gold skin, yellow eyes is earlier, an earlier uh, version. And Sutra, and Sutra has that, but yeah. she seems more sophisticated emotionally. Like she definitely reads more human, but she's, but again, like she has a lot more negative traits. So if anything, it's weird that like this, this earlier one is the one that, does that make sense? Like before yeah. in data, it was backwards. Yeah, it doesn't really, I don't really know. I mean, is it just like luck of the draw like it is with humans? Like you don't, yeah. know, you don't know if you're going to, like if your kid's going to be a football player or or if they're going to be a, you know what I mean? Like you have no idea yeah. like what's going to happen. Uh, and maybe? that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I'm curious to know is because, again, it seems like, okay, we just need Sutra to be that character who is on board with getting the, you know, synth alliance there to rescue them and so right i was thinking about how like maybe it's like after she receives the admonition that she starts to like become that way but like those things all already have to be there first you know like she's i don't know maybe actually that's a really interesting idea you have like for humans that we can't process it yeah but the idea that um because for instance like if they are supposed to be logical or I mean, Soji's very sophisticated, but if we if we go with that logic that Sutra is an earlier model with her having the less human appearance of the yellow eyes and the golden skin, yeah. the idea that once she gets that message, it's sort of like, well, this is what makes sense. Like, yeah. this is logical. Like, maybe that also it, it possibly could have, like, reprogrammed something in her. I mean, it's like, right. it's like um, that episode where, like, Data gets, like, a thing that happens and he just, like basically hijacks the enterprise to go home oh yeah which you is know? brothers too yeah oh that's yeah, yeah that is brothers yeah, yeah yeah so like maybe something like that happens well that would make sense too because if you think about it if agnes is so affected that she's willing to kill maddox it could affect the sense in, in the same kind of way where it's like oh my god like obviously i have to do this now that i know yeah but but, yeah. One, but once again since they don't really take the, the few extra steps to go into that development it's just that's the way Sutra is. Yeah, instead of it being the the super AI, which I have a theory about, which you know some people have a theory about, is is reprogramming lesser synths. Yeah, you know, to yeah, le- lesser that. AIs to 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 like sort of get to its goal. Yeah, so like, like get in line. Yeah, so people are saying that like that that AI is an AI called Control from discovery uh oh, this, like, I've, I've heard things about that yeah that they're connected to each other which would make sense which is kind of cool control is actually very scary and like one of the things that started making discovery interesting <laughs> people are like control is the new borg okay um, okay yeah so it's that's that's interesting like a time traveling artificial intelligence that's that's trying to go back in time and again like the borg go back in time and basically you know kill off all organic life and take control of the entire galaxy so there's that um possibility but they i mean if they were going to do that then even if it's not revealed until later like season two 
the way they handle little things about her character, like the uh, even like watching her interact with Narek, where she's like again <laughs> awkward touching, where she's yeah. like, oh my desire to kill you doesn't you know override my desire, but again it's just like it's not written as if there's this shift or this kind of slow uh, compromise to her. Yeah. Um, it's or just or just of, like a bam now I'm this way. Yeah. Like yeah, there's like there's she's n- just sort of I don't know. Yeah, I then, I feel like then, we're we're doing we're like editing it and making it better right now. <laughs> so, I guess should we talk about Picard's fate? Did you have some other bit. stuff I you kinda, want to talk about before that? Only one. I don't know if you notice the way I did, but at the end of the episode, the whole um season, you're like, what happened to Narek? Um I no. I can't I can't explain this clear enough to our listeners. Literally, the last scene of Narek is him getting shoved to the ground by the synths and him yelling, Soji, don't do it, and then getting dragged off. That is the last scene or mention of Narek. Where'd he go? Well, apparently, (laughs) I don't know if this is true. This is one of those, like, allegedly things. But a lot of fans notice that. No, we don't have to have, like, a big spiel about what's going on with Narek, but usually there'd be like a quick camera angle of him sitting in a you know the brig or he's wandering the desert because he walked away or you know just like a line or two of dialogue right um, even it, but but it turns out what happens apparently is somebody involved in the show i forget who was mentioning their ig stories that it was after the fact they noticed that too and they said he it was a victim of the editing room that there was some acknowledgement of where Narek was at that point at the very end uh, and it just accidentally got cut shit and i feel like that's kind of like a big thing <laughs> that's a big deal. to kind of go unnoticed oh my god uh, so oops accidentally didn't make it that's hilarious but yeah let's let's talk about picard's fate oh okay so the whole scene with data i thought was wonderful the whole the whole idea of him of data asking to die basically was oh <laughs> um because you know the idea of of death being part of what makes us human being mortal is part of what makes us human and that was what data was always striving for yeah that that entire thing the whole like uh after he's he's brought back picard pulling out the uh those isolinear chips and um and then i don't know if you know this but uh that version of blue skies that you hear actually isa brione sings it oh no i didn't know that yeah she's a very good singer which is not surprising. Both of her parents are musical theater actors, um, and she's trained as well. That I thought that was a very sweet, um, sort of like poetic musical, poetic like flipping. Because you know that was Data saying that song at the end of Nemesis, which is the movie in which he died, and then here is uh, his basically his daughter singing the song during his death. So I thought that was very nice, nice little uh, musical moment. Um, I I loved all of that. The wrap up of Data's character. Um, my question is, how did they make 
a Picard synth so fast? Well, they, mm, I don't know. I mean, he's in the golem. You do know that, right? But like how they make him look like him so quickly. I see. I don't know. That's I don't know what I'm saying. Easy part. Where Why they like, make his skin, how they do it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, also, I mean, if you think about it, like remember lol, it was just like, they picked out her in like a catalog in the holodeck and that's true that's true it's very it, true. it feels like the next day or two he was just like okay here she is maybe, that's very that's true easier i mean yeah and and we don't ever hear about like how long it took nudie and sung to make the juliana android because remember true. how like well she ends up in sick bag she's unconscious and beverly is like she has tear ducts she has pores and it's like a big deal because she has all these things that like yeah. Data doesn't have. Did you want him to be like a, like an Optimus Prime or like a robot, <laughs> like a like a giant Picard robot? No, I didn't. I mean, I wanted to be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> well, how do you how do you feel about him? Just yeah, like dying, and then I was actually going to predict. By the way, we didn't really do predictions in, in the first half but because i had already watched everything <laughs> no but one of, one of the things i was going to say is like i think picard will die and then when wednesday announced season two i was like okay that's not gonna happen but i was like oh i'll be damned he does he does die but then since you know there's season two you're waiting okay how do we bring him back yeah i mean i i think it's cool i think it's really interesting I feel like they wrapped up too quick at the end and all of a sudden the synth ban is no longer all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think oh, yeah, it which been... is really convenient for him. Since right. He is one now. Right. It was just like out of the blue. Oh, no synth ban. No more. Cool. What? But that was very fast. I thought that could have been a really interesting thing to see for Picard to be like actually advocating for the synth band to be lifted because he's like, hi, I'm a synth now. And my life was saved due to this technology. Well, I mean, there's, there's many directions. Like, first of all, I think it's a little weird that the synth band has just like, poof, you know, yeah. gone away because, you know, I think there's a lot of instances in history where there's change, but that doesn't mean everything really changes overnight. So right. that, that felt, that felt very forced and, I, I'm okay with the fact that Riker comes and says, like, this is under protection and, and stuff. Unfortunately, just like in the real world, like, things happen for the greater good, but not everyone's on board. We were even talking about how, like, the EMH in in this show feels, you know, you see the, the doctor from Voyager get all these sort of rights and privileges and respect. And this these EMHs, to some degree, seems like a like backtracking that yes absolutely yeah yeah, yeah the, totally yeah. like the it, it feels like for something as big of a deal as the synth ban was set up to be it seems like we'd have to do a lot more work to get that ban lifted than just to realize that there's a double agent in the federation i mean these are examples of or these are symptoms of bigger problems like Things don't just happen overnight like that, like you were saying. So it's like, is there no bureaucracy in the Federation? Absolutely. There's, there, of 
course there is. Like, there's paperwork that's got to be signed. There's, like, and also think about, like, what would the public reaction to this be like? Exactly. Like, everybody's yeah. scared of synths. They're, the information that they have is just that these synths went nuts on Mars and killed a bunch of people. And nobody knows why. So, like, there has to be an investigation. Like, there's no investigation. Yeah. And it feels like, in a way, like, this, you know, even though Star Trek in the past has established, like, a better version yeah. of mankind, Um this this Star Trek, unfortunately, has, you know, there's been some fallout. And so it's like you you kind of can't have your cake and eat it, too. Like you can't have old Star Trek where everyone yeah. is above all that. And then also have Star Trek Picard where the humans might be a little bit more like yeah, us in yeah. 2020. So for me, it's just like if you've established this world where there's definitely some um, seediness going on. We got we to gotta stay riding that yeah. wave the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So I think the start of it, like if they were mentioning like, oh, discussions have already started for. Yeah, for repealing the, the synth, synth ban. You know, but blah, like, blah. it hasn't happened. Yeah. 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 It, it, exactly. It definitely feels like there's some drop time in there and that there's some, there's some investigation into that that could have been really interesting to see. And I wish... Because because the thing is that like the the adventure part is is like the fun part, you know, like getting in the spaceships and going through the transwarp conduits and shooting phasers and stuff and fighting with their swords. Like that's the fun part. But like the actual work for stuff like this in a society that's that's unjust is not like that. It is a lot of hard conversations and convincing people that you're right and convincing people to do the right thing. And it was very obvious already that like there was so much support for the synth ban that like to, to leave out that work seems like a bad call um, in a way. And also I want to say that if Star Trek has proved anything in the past is that those discussions can be exactly. actually very successful and interesting i re i re-watched drumhead oh my drumhead god i love that episode again, a bunch of talking and yeah and court scenes and um and that episode like, is fucking brilliant it, it, that episode is incredible like that episode is about racism toward romulans in the federation um but yeah you're totally right like especially tng maybe not as much Voyager, maybe not as much DS9, but like especially TNG was all about sitting and having the hard conversations. It was because Picard is a diplomat. Like I would have loved to have seen Picard be like, hey, I'm a synth now. What are you going to do about it? I am like and and see and like hear one of his monologues you know hear one of his speeches where he makes everyone scratch their heads a little bit and look deep into their own souls at their own prejudice you know which is which is what he his character was like known for on tng i love those speeches his speech in oh his speech in the drumhead oh yeah even even if even if that didn't wrap everything up per se you know and then everything's fine but even if it's the the call to sort of uh, be more open-minded, yeah. 
and again, like start the, the ball rolling in the right direction. I also think to your point too, as far as like things that would have been interesting to see and are very kind of Star Trek in nature is some conversation about do we put Picard in the golem? Yeah. You know, like that's a huge like to actually see that conversation happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like then we're like, we can do this. Could we do this? Like uh, there's just like a little aftermath sentence or yeah. two. And I, and I realize that that's not the point. But again, it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, if there yeah. was a little more breathing room, because it does become a conversation and a point, even when Seven brings Neelix yeah. back. Yeah. I, f- yeah. I feel like that's a um, very Star Trek conversation that, that got skipped over. Like that, that moral yeah. uh, qualm. You know, those are, those are the kinds of conversations that I love to get from Star Trek. And we didn't get that there. I was even just thinking just now, like, because, like, the very last scene, I kind of roll my eyes at that scene a little bit. The very, very last scene of the last episode. They're just all on the ship, and they're like, where are we going to go next? And it's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. They just, they, like, quickly tie up some loose ends. Now that I'm thinking about it and I'm imagining it, my ideal ending would be, like, pan up and Picard is standing at a podium addressing the Federation and he is starting the ball rolling process to lift the synth ban and Raffi yeah, like is with Picard's him back and, he- and and she is getting she is now getting her credit where it's due because she was she said the whole time she was the one that was like there this is a conspiracy there has to be something going on here. Like that would have wrapped it up for me. Like he's there with his crew. He's there with Dodge. He's there with, and he's like, also PS I'm a synth. Now what Mike drop end of the season. It reminds me of, um, Oh God, I don't know if you'll know this, but in the Iron Man movies at the end, they do a press relief and he just goes, yeah, Iron Man. And then all the press like goes <laughs> nuts. And, and that's just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I would have, I would have yeah. loved that. Like, give me a, like a little bit of a card monologue. Like, let him be like, I'm Iron Man, drop the mic. And then that's the end of the season. Cause that, I don't know. There's, there's something more uh, fulfilling about that than just like, all right, now we're all on the ship and we're all together and we're a family. Now here we go. And it's, <laughs> it was <just> like, eh. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, and then again, it's like, uh, yeah, you do kind of wonder, like, are they going to continue that? Will there still be fear of the synth? Is there going to be a movement like the Maquis right. or the Circle in Deep Space Nine? Is there going to be, uh, are we going to go back to Agnes being a right? murderer? Or, like, is she going like, to be haunted by uh, receiving the admonition, like, later? Like, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy the series. Like, I definitely am. But... There were things that I was hoping to get from it that mm-hmm. I didn't get. And most of those things have to do with like my relationship with Picard as a character and the things that I loved about him as a character in TNG. And that's okay. Like I, again, was not, we've said this a million times, was not expecting it to be like TNG. Of course. <laughs> Or any right. of the past shows. Like, absolutely you know? not. But, you know. I think what it keeps coming down to me is just slow, slow down. down. Like, it's entertaining. And and I definitely think it's a good start. Yeah. But if there's one critique 
uh, not that anyone cares what I think. I care. I, I would care, just say, Lauren, I really down. care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, slow down. G- slow down. Give give the story, give everything a little more breathing room. That doesn't mean it has to be a 20 plus thing. We have to stuff it with nonsense. Yeah. But it's like, maybe, maybe we just needed a few more episodes so that we could go a little deeper with the characters. Um, maybe address some of these more interesting philosophical issues that we're bringing up yeah (laughs) yeah oh i did i i do also have one more thing to say i wanted to just briefly talk about the music for a second oh yeah um so the the guy who scored it his name is jeff russo he also scored star trek discovery but he is also one of the founding members of the band tonic and is married to Nina Gordon from Veruca Salt. Oh, wow. For the most part, I want to say I like it, except for the fact that dude is just quoting TNG theme all the fucking time. And I got so tired of it. I was like, pick a moment, man. Like, I don't need to hear the TNG theme all the time to remind me that TNG existed. Like when they're on Nepenthe. Sure. Here we are. He is with his crew from TNG. Now you can give it to us. But like every time someone says engage, like, come on. Like it got a little excessive. Did you like the, um, the main theme song? I wanted to ask Um, you that. Yeah. I mean, it's, so I kind of feel the same way about the main theme of Picard as I do about Discovery in some ways that they they kind of have a any weight. Like are they too delicate? No, it's like it's like that same because there's this like new uh TV intro style now. You know like like with The Crown or like um Westworld and shows like that where it's like a whole bunch of animation and like a sort of uh, haunting kind of sounding very rhythmic theme that doesn't really have much of a melody to it. It's just a feeling more than anything else. It kind of reminds me of uh, what you're talking about when I was thinking about shows that have done that. Like um, if you see that, I feel like it was kind of the, the very start of that where, like you said, it's very haunting Kind of moody, yeah. kind of somber. Yeah. I mean, I did appreciate that um, TNG quote at the end of, of the Picard intro theme that uh, is played on the flute, which is supposed to be a callback to the inner light. Yes. Um, which I thought was very cute. Um, I do like some parts of the melody, the da 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 That's pretty. But it's also like... It's hard to compete with somebody like Jerry Goldsmith. And that theme music, I mean, it was originally written for Star Trek, the motion picture, and then used for uh, the theme for Next Generation. Um, And Jerry Goldsmith has written so many film scores, and he's amazing. He's an amazing composer. But it's, and I don't think it's about competing with that so much. It's just, it's more that like, it just doesn't, it feels like so many other things. It doesn't feel like its own thing. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, like it doesn't have that iconic 
Well, and I also wonder, because um, you probably are much more in tune with this than I am, no pun intended, <laughs> um, but I don't recall really ever hearing the the Picard theme being used throughout the oh, show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gets used a few times, but honestly, the TNG okay, quotes if, happen more often. It's used more. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they had infused it a little bit more. And then, you know, next episode, hear the theme. Not reintroduced, but when it's just like re-imprinted on you, you know, and then it becomes a thing. But like you said, if it's always like, here's the intro, now we're going to do a throwback to all the TNG yeah. stuff. It's like you never it's, have that. Yeah, it's, it isn't. That, um, yeah. That pool. Yeah. yeah, that bouncing. I, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think maybe that's that's a little bit of it. But I, I also just, it doesn't, it's not that exciting. <laughs> like just musically for me, I'm just yeah. like, okay. Okay. I... I mean, I'll, first of all, I'm not a musician. This is definitely your area. I will just say I liked it fine. Yeah. Um, I, but then again, it's like I'm pretty much okay as long as it's better than Enterprise. <laughs> so I'm like, great, awesome. See, that's, I'm, that's I'm even like, at least I remember the Enterprise theme, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. You know, in wrestling, this is weird. That I'm talking about wrestling, but in wrestling they say you want you want the crowd to either love you or hate you. Just you just don't want yeah. them to be indifferent. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. I mean. I feel that way about about TV show theme songs. I think it's I think you're totally right in in comparing those two things. So yeah, that was just like a little a little thing I had, a little issue I had. It's not a big deal. Uh, well, I'll just I I will go out on um loving the. Uh, image of Riker very sloppily making a pizza and just like throwing those tomatoes literally everywhere. Tomatoes everywhere. Tomatoes burning. Love it. Loved that. Was into it. Yep. He was cooking. I have to admit in the beginning I said like we need Riker making eggs and he was yeah. making pizza. So he does like to cook. I stand corrected. <laughs> it happened. It yeah. happened. It really happened. Loved it. I loved it. I think that was also the day that a lot and of people like came to visit the set. I think I saw a a photo of like Michael Dorn and LeVar Burton like visiting the set that day because like everybody was there. No. <laughs> and Michael Dorn's still sitting alone in his house, like, why aren't they asking me to come back? <laughs> right. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I know, like I said, LeVar Burton and then apparently Whoopi Goldberg mm -hmm. are coming back. Have you heard about anybody else going uh, I heard a rumor that Will Wheaton was coming back. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that mean the Traveler's oh, no. back? Squishy hands. <laughs> squishy hands. No. Magic squishy hands. No. I don't know. <laughs> I hate it. No, I I heard a rumor, but I I mean I can't confirm it. So all we know, I do know like for sure, Whoopi is a for sure. He literally asked her on television. Yeah, like she kind of has to say yes at that point. Yeah. She was so cute though. She was so happy. I didn't actually see really? the footage. I just heard about it. I saw like uh, you know just screenshots of. When it you happened, should, you should, should go back go and back. watch it. If you need some, you guys, okay. if, if like the world is getting you down right now 
and you need something to cheer you up, like you need to see some like real joy, then you should go on YouTube and find the clip of Patrick Stewart asking Whoopi Goldberg to come back on to come on to Picard for season two. It is she is so fucking happy like she's just smiling ear to ear for like the entire clip she is so happy and it is lovely it'll it it will raise your spirits I mean at least for a few minutes (laughs) no it's okay it is getting late (laughs) Well, I'm excited to see what happens in season two. Um, I feel like they're still like getting their sea legs. And I am I am like really happy that this exists. Um, happy to see my friends hanging out. Happy to hang out with my friends again. Um, excited to see some more old friends next season. Yeah, and hopefully they'll, uh, you know, just just again like these new characters give them just a little bit more meat on their bones and yeah yeah i I think there is potential there i i'm on board for season two um you know still still gonna keep my cbs all access and uh see what they they give me so um yeah i I, my final thoughts are just i i did enjoy it like i said i was entertained Mm -hmm. um i definitely recommend if you're a star trek person to watch it at least once and then maybe you'll be like me where you felt like kind of the bulk of the experience was that first watch and maybe it doesn't quite have the rewatch value but that's okay yeah that's all for star trek picard uh i just want to say one more time to everyone um you know keep being good trekkies in your heart we care about each other trekkies care about each other and we care about how everyone's doing and we all are hoping to get to this this future utopia that Gene Roddenberry imagined where we celebrate infinite diversity in infinite combinations. Well said. That's one day yeah, at a time. Just one day to just take it one day at a time. This is this is this is a what do they say? What's the long distance race? Like running race? Oh oh uh, like a marathon, yes. not a yes, sprint. Yes, I'm trying to trying to say <laughs> Uh, yeah, remember it's a marathon, not a sprint, is what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, take care of yourselves out there. We're, right. try- <laughs> We're trying our best. <laughs> All right, guys. Picard, Picard, Picard. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show. On Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. Dude, Locutus, is that you, bro? (laughs) Hey, man.